Mr. Speaker. All right, yes, it's time to get political here on Radio One's Breakfast, because uh, it's Friday, and that's what we do on Friday at 8.30. Uh, so I'm joined by Dr. Phil Ferguson and John Moore. Sarah Martin, unfortunately, cannot make it this morning. Good morning to you both. Kia ora. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are we? Pretty good. Good, yes. Good. good to hear Nirvana before. Oh, yes, yes. No, I, um, I've been playing a little bit of... Um, I played some Smashing Pumpkins earlier. Oh, Ooh. yes. Yeah, getting back together, the original band. Well, with, well no. No Darcy means oh, no true. original band, that's to true. be honest. Um, so I'm mm. disappointed about that. Um, and, and so is she, apparently. Oh, oh, she wasn't invited. No, she wasn't invited. I see. Oh, yes. bad Billy Corgan. Yes, bad Billy Corgan. Well, he is. A, come on, he's, a, he's Alex Jones' best friend. He's a bit of an idiot. Oh, yes, he's got a bit alt-right, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's very alt-right. And he has his own, <laughs> and he owns his own wrestling company. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Wrestling around, around the country. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to say it's not a real sport now. Um, well, if it's, if it's Greco-Roman, all about it. <laughs> I did a bit of Greco-Roman wrestling back in, back in the day. I see. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, not here to talk about Billy Corgan or wrestling, although we could go on about those two subjects all day long, no doubt. Uh, we're here to talk about politics, and we're going to start, of course, the biggest thing in politics this week in uh, Aotearoa, uh, and it should be throughout the, um, for, for well, until, yeah, well, forever. Uh, Waitangi Day uh, was Tuesday, and uh, was mostly mostly peaceful. It's small, small protest. Mm. From um, I think from people from Titi Marae and um, some Napui, um, but you know, very very peaceful, most peaceful in years. Jacinda spending five days in the far north, taking every opportunity to meet the people, get out there, uh, hear their thoughts and criticisms. Mm. Um, but you know, why why was it so peaceful? Yeah, it's it's astounding in many ways in that uh, Waitangi Day and especially the events at Waitangi itself have been a focus of protests and, and even violent protests at times to, to the point where at certain times uh, representatives of the government have refused to attend. Uh, so we can think that right back to Helen Clark's day uh, mm-hmm. where she received um, arguably what was abuse towards her which led to her actually crying yes. uh, at the event um, and uh, I think Don Brash had some mud thrown at it once. Uh, John Key uh, was shoved around a bit. Uh, so, hey, hey, hey. And, and Stephen Joyce. <laughs> You're forgetting the dildo. Yeah. I keep my mind clean. So. Oh, come on. That's the, the, one of the greatest moments <laughs> yeah. in New Zealand's history. <laughs> so, it's quite astounding that it was so peaceful. Yes, there was a, a, a small protest uh, by Ngāpui Elder Kingi Tarua. About a dozen others, but other than that, um, yeah, the events were um, very controlled, uh, and uh, I, I think this represents a, a qualitative shift, a hegemonic shift in terms of both Crown and Māori relations and the nature of those relations, and especially in terms of the relationship between Māori and the Labour Party. Um, so, first of all, there's, I guess. 
because of the election result, where uh, Labour gained a, a clean sweep of all those Māori seats, Labour's now in a position where it can almost call itself a kaupapa Māori party. It can present itself as a party that are the true representatives of the, of the Māori masses, if mm-hmm. you like. Um, whereas, and Willie Jackson was keen key to this process, as well as Matt McCartan. We forget about Matt McCartan because he's kind of off the radar now. But uh, both him and uh, Willie Jackson were key to um, bringing Māori back to Labour and, and presenting Labour as the true party of of the Māori people, as opposed to that sort of uh, um, iwi elite, that so-called iwi elite. So these events went very well for Labour. Uh, it was real Jacinda mania uh, on the um, Waitangi grounds. Um, and I think this shows you what an astute uh, um, politician Jacinda Ardern is, as well as those um, uh, key MPs, leading Labour Party MPs around here, at being able to use an event like this. That could have gone horribly wrong could have gone horribly wrong as it has for previous um, uh, Prime Ministers and governments, use this event to cement that idea in people's mind that that Labour has come back home to Māori and Māori have come back home to Labour. Hmm, interesting. What are your thoughts, Phil? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, about Matt McCartan? He has a hand in the birth of the Māori Party and a hand in the destruction of the Māori yeah. Party and the... The resuscitation and of, mana, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and mana. I think um, Jacinda Ardern has quite an ability to disarm opponents. She knows how to say the right things, and she has a certain kind of look and manner about her, which which a lot of people find attractive. And I think that was the Jacinda card was played quite heavily and quite well by herself and by the dominant figures in the, in the Labour Party to disarm critics. It's also interesting that um, say somebody like Annette Sykes backed Labour in the election against the Māori Party when Mana was in an alliance with the Māori Party mm-hmm. like in Waiariki, um, she supported Tam- the Labour candidate Tamari Coffey, who you know is the guy that won Dancing with oh. the Stars. I mean, he's not exactly a political kind of heavyweight. He's mm-hmm. not known for radical politics. So I think the kind of politics that sort of radical Maori politics it, it flares up and then it flares down again and is exhausted. And I think what's happened to Mana and and the Māori Party, although they were never exclusively Māori parties, they were always Pākehā members of both those parties. And in fact, and both of them had Pākehā candidates as well. There's just not much space in New Zealand politics for a party that is identified as specifically Māori. And most Māori voters are not particularly interested in a party that is identified as being specifically a Māori party. So there was a period when a lot of Māori were pissed off with Labour and they elected Māori party MPs, although the party vote always went to Labour, which is very different. When New Zealand first won those Māori MPs, they won the party vote as, mm-hmm. well, as, mm. as well as the seats. So I think 
that kind of politics is exhausted and in the absence of any significant left-wing party like the alliance in the old days um, well you know 20 years ago yeah Maori working class votes and a chunk of the Maori middle class and Maori elite have drifted back to have drifted back to Labour. Mm, it's interesting because this is, of course, the party of uh, Foreshore and Seabed, yep. and that's oh. what was the what was the creation of the Maori Party right there, uh, and that's what galvanised the Maori oh. against. Labour. And what's even more sound is that Willie Jackson, uh, who was who was key to getting those seats back uh, for Labour, those Maori electoral seats, has actually said that he doesn't think the foreshore and seabed issue is a big deal anymore for mm-hmm. Maori. And he went in. Um, this is where I think uh, it's more than just about style. Uh, it's about substance with Labour because they went into those Murray seats and they actually pushed a really hard class-centred line, which they didn't in the general electorates. Mm-hmm. In the general electorates, yes, they talked about poverty, uh, but it was more within a liberal framework that we, we as a society have, have to help the poor, etc. In the Murray seats, they went in there with a traditional working-class-centred social democratic approach uh, pitting the, uh, the Murray people against the perceived Māori elites. And, and, and Willie Jackson, in that campaign, very much put the emphasis on that uh, the Māori party is tied to national and is tied to these these iwi elites who live lifestyles that the general Māori person couldn't even dream about. And that um, that Labour is the natural party for Māori, that, that is going to focus on economic material issues. That, yes, uh, the, 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 the focus on culture and on language and on sovereignty and on, um, on um, uh, treaty issues is important, but it hasn't led to the majority of Māori actually improving materially. Actually, the opposite. There's now a huge divide between well-off Māori and the general Māori population. And th- these are the points that Willie Jackson emphasised. Uh, and and it was interesting that Jacinda Ardern, when she spoke at Waitangi, again, she emphasised uh, the Labour Party's material class-based programme in relation to Māori. She said no longer would uh, the Labour Party and the government be specifically targeting Māori in terms of alleviating poverty, but they would be targeting poverty as a whole mm-hmm. uh, and, and questions over, say, uh, working people's wages, etc., which would lift uh, up Māori generally, because Māori tend to be the poorest of the working class, the poorest of the underclass, etc. Uh, so there's no longer a sort of a, a separatist approach by the government or a, a, a targeted approach to Māori. There's, there's a general approach from their point of view to tackle poverty with a universal, more like a traditional social democratic universal approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a race-based approach. And it's, in a sense, it's astounding that this is really resonating with ordinary Māori people, that the old days of having to uh, uh, push uh, uh, areas such as language and culture and treaty have fallen by the wayside, and, and now it's all about material issues. And I think that's because the the... What could be seen as a Maori nationalist approach or, or a Maori culturalist approach hasn't 
although it's lifted up the aspirations of, of most Māori and it's made uh, Māori feel more confident in their own country, it hasn't actually lifted them up materially on the whole, except for that small elite. And, and yeah, I found it astounding that Jacinda Ardern actually emphasised these points and that's where the substance came in, in terms of her participation and Labour's participation in Waitangi. It wasn't all just um, um, it wasn't all just surface politics. That's interesting because of course the Reo was a big um, focus point for the election uh, and leading up to the election uh, and of course the ongoing settlement with Napui mm. uh, is quite huge at the moment and considering um, Waitangi is Napui poor country yes. um, and, and I wonder um, if a lot of um, what could have been uh, issues for Labour was uh, set aside uh, for the reason that they didn't go to Lower Marae they didn't go to Titi Marae mm. which mm. has always been quite a big focal point for protests in the past mm. and yeah I think that um, I mean yeah shifting the focus of Waitangi away from Titi Marae certainly uh, allowed for a more controlled event and, and certainly uh, uh, allowed for the organisers to to push aside the protesters um, I think Te Te Marae themselves, the, the committee on that Marae, really kind of stuffed up themselves last year when they started charging $10,000 for media to come in uh, and, and, and when they wouldn't allow, I think they didn't allow John Key to speak, if I mm. remember correctly. Uh, and so a lot of the reasons why it was shifted from Te Te Marae is to do with the National Party. The National Party's and government's response at the time was to say, well, maybe Waitangi shouldn't be the focus for this day. Maybe it's, uh, the event should be uh, um, carried out throughout the country at different places. So I think uh, the people at Waitangi had to decide, well, what are we going to do to keep these events here? Well, they should be there. It's ridiculous that mm. so they would be shifted. Um, and and Bill, Bill was in bluff. Yeah, I think he kind of messed up a bit there, didn't he? Yeah. Um, like, I can understand why he had made that original decision, but... Um, yeah, Jacinda Ardern proved to be rather smarter than him in actually going and spending the five days there. So mm. there were, you know, big name National Party people there. I mean, Stephen Joyce. And Joyce was there again, yes. Yeah, and, and some were there. But I think English, um, yeah, I think he cocked up on that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, yeah. I and think one re just to come back to something that John said about the material issues and so on, I think one of the reasons that things have shifted to more ma kind of material issues of, of poverty and, and so on is the treaty process is completely embedded in New Zealand politics now and in the whole infrastructure of New Zealand society. And some of those other cultural things are completely embedded now as well. And yet, like John was saying, the problems facing working class Māori haven't gone away, so those things just simply couldn't be avoided any longer. Okay. But the other stuff I think is so embedded that they, people don't need to kind of talk about that all the time at Waitangi. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of taken those issues off the agenda, the fact that there, there has been significant movement on, on uh, funding for language, support for uh, te reo, uh, um, at least uh, some legislation recognising uh, the uh, Treaty of Waitangi. Um, what I find interesting about um, Bill English not attending is that um, in reality, uh, Bill English and National are far closer to the iwi elites than Labour is. Uh, so the... the um, 
the Iwi Forum, which is made up of uh, some of the, the top names and managers uh, within corporate uh, Iwi circles, uh, they've had a very close relationship with the National Party uh, with one-to-one -one, uh, discussions on an ongoing basis when National was in government. And it was interesting that, I think this is really symbolic, that um, traditionally at Waitangi, uh, um, a breakfast uh, dinner is held at mm. the COP. Copthorne Hotel between representatives of the government, the Prime Minister, and iwi um, elite figures, iwi leaders. Um, uh, Adern deliberately uh, and openly said no, she wasn't going to uh, attend this breakfast, she was going to uh, participate in, in, in a barbecue uh, uh, for, for the general um, crowd at Waitangi. And I think this was really symbolic. Labour was uh, symbolically and openly distancing itself from this uh, iwi establishment and saying, no, we're with, we're with the general Māori people, the general crowd. Um, and, and she made that quite explicit, that she, mm -hmm. she publicly said she would not go to this um, uh, traditional breakfast, which was a, uh, in a sense is a real snub to those uh, uh, iwi leaders, uh, in, in a sense, is, is, is very insulting. But the fact is that Labour won the Murray seats on the basis that they uh, directed um, their attacks on this iwi establishment uh, in its relationship with the National Party and, and, and pushed that class line, and we saw this again coming through at Waitangi. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so uh, again, it, it, to me, it represents a hegemonic shift in how the Crown and how Labour are now orientating towards Māori. It's not about that, that close relationship, elites talking to elites, the elite government representatives talking to iwi elites. It's now the government, at least uh, an image, wanting to be seen as, as connecting with the so-called the so 99%, if you see it in terms like the Occupy, like 99% mm. versus 1%, they're going for the 99%. And that's where the votes are, of course. Yeah. Mm. Um, Right-wing commentators have been having uh, a bit of a fit. I don't really want to go into... Uh, and Mr give Bob breath. Jones? I don't really want to give too much breath to, or any breath to Sir Bob Jones at all, uh, because that was, yeah, no, mm -hmm. ridiculous. But, I mean, Hoskins and, uh, and Farrier and uh, not very um, thing. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the, you know. Do we need what? It's the whole bullshit rhetoric mm. again. Of but it's really ramped up this year. Um, I, I found that you know, do we need Waitangi days? Is it just a day of uh, pandering and and, and whatnot? Um, it's quite ridiculous. Some of the some of the words mm. coming from. And I, I'd question if it really resonates with a large amount of people. Well, it doesn't anymore. matter if it does mm. or not. Mm. I mean, does it, you know, it's not just about the founding document of, of our country, or one of the founding documents, but um, also about, um, tying in two peoples together. Uh, it's about um, the bullshitness of the two different uh, um, documents uh, and trying to close those wounds uh, from not only the sovereignty wars, uh, but the fact that Māori was sold down the river um, by a bullshit translation that was done within six hours um, mm. by two um, young, well, a father and a son that didn't really have a, a full grasp of te reo. And a lot of this still isn't talking schools. Uh, a lot of people are ignorant of these issues, not necessarily due to any fault of their own, but uh, I know, oh, I talked taught as an intermediate in Auckland uh, for five years and um, the, the principal made it quite clear that he didn't want to touch the treaty issue and mm. the, the sovereignty wars or land wars issue because they, they were too controversial yeah. um, and 
so uh, kids walk out of school with a very limited knowledge of of the history in this country and uh, that can never be a good thing no no i mean how many once again how many have read the treaty how many have read mm. uh, both versions of the treaty? More people know um, uh, Martin Luther King J- Jr.'s bloody speech. Dream, yeah, yeah, more people know that word for word than they do the, mm. the, the, the treaty. More people know about, um, well, f- parts of the Irish conflict. You know, I certainly learned about that at school, but didn't learn anything about um, the mm. Treaty of Waitangi. Mm. Uh, you know, especially in the I 90s. mean, part of it's cultural cringe as well, which I think is uh, not so strong now, but certainly when I was being brought up the idea that anything from overseas is preferable to New Zealand, but this including is the edu- history. This is the education system, you know. <laughs> it's, like, it's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, let's move on um, to the Green Party co-leadership race. Uh, two people in it, uh, Julian Agenta and uh, Marama Davison. Uh, Davis, sorry. Um, two very different MPs, um, two different styles. Um, mm. But what are the big differences between these two? Uh, I think there's significant differences. Now, let's not forget about there's a possibility that uh, Eugenie Sage, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but Eugenie Sage, who's Conservation Minister mm. and uh, a senior Green Party member, might might stand in, in the race as well. Um, I think the significant differences between Marama Davidson and Julie Ann Gent is that Marama Davidson is seen as being economically on the left, uh, so as with um, Materia Ture in the past, uh, she focuses on uh, social issues, um, mm-hmm. um, issues that go beyond uh, the Greens' environmental focus. Um, she's seen as an activist in the party and she's seen, rightly or wrongly, uh, as more connected to the more or sort of general activist base within the uh, the Green Party in the Green Movement. Um, Julianne Genta is seen as being more focused um, on environmental issues. Uh, she's seen as uh, uh, one of the modernisers in the party mm. um, in terms of making it more... Um, um, uh, taking that radical image um, off the the Green Party and and, and making it more of a professional um, mainstream uh, party in Parliament. Uh, She's also um, a minister as well. She's Minister for Women and Associate Minister for Health and Transport. Um, And again, that that re-emphasises that that image of her as being uh, more... part of the establishment of the Greens, that she's a minister, uh, whereas Mara Mar Davison, not being a minister, has more ability to, say, criticise the government that mm. the Greens are supporting. Um, yeah, so I, I think there are the major differences between those two candidates. Julian Jett is very um, focused on equality as well. Um, she is, but I guess it's that general public perception that she is more interested in environmental issues or it, interested in issues of uh, urban space and how urban space is used. So, for example, supporting uh, greater uptake of the use of, of bicycles over mm-hmm. cars, uh, for example. Um, and although I found it interesting that she's um, brought up this issue of uh, this um, anti party hopping legislation. Uh, so with her announcement that she's going to run for co-leader she said that there is a problem with the Green Party leadership uh, having a disconnect with the general base of the Green Party and this this is shown with the Greens now support for the anti-party hopping uh, legislation that is coming up uh, where the Greens have traditionally not supported such um, uh, restrictions on MPs in terms of being able to leave their party Mm. and and not be kicked out of Parliament so I think she's 
she is trying to give a clear signal to that Green Party base that no, she's not just part of the Green Party establishment, um, that she's actually uh, prepared to ruffle a few feathers and to address those concerns within the wider Green Party that it's it's more and more the case that it's uh, leading MPs that are running the show in the party. Yeah, it's interesting what 20 years um, difference can make um, because that radical base was the party 20 years ago. Uh, you know, and, and now there's an establishment within the party, two factions within the Greens. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it wasn't like that, but I remember the days of Rod Donald uh, and my um, old mate from uh, Coromandel, Jeanette Fitzsimons, you know, and they were about as radical as you can get, and that was the party. Well, that's what it seemed for for, for a twenty year old me. Right. Anyway, um, but what are the, what are the strengths and weaknesses do you think, Phil, between the two different candidates, and who do you think will resonate more? I think the American accent might have uh, might put off the general public a little bit. I think that might be um, a little difficulty that she faces. Yeah, it's actually funny if you go to the, the Green Party website and they've got the picture of the eight MPs looking very nice and respectable and middle class, it looks like if you said to somebody, based on this photo, who are the co-leaders of the Green Party, they would say um, James Shaw and Marama Davidson, because they're actually standing a little bit in front of mm. the other six so there's three to the on one side of, of James Shaw but they're a wee bit behind and then there's three on the other side of Marama Davidson. But they're oh. a little bit behind her yeah. as well. Yeah. So the two of them are definitely standing... They're, they're standing in the centre and they're standing a little bit in front. So if you looked at that picture, you'd think that the the woman co-leader um, vote had already been taken and Marama Davidson had been selected. Um, I think her strength, yeah, is appealing to the activist base um, so she was on the Women's Peace Flotilla that disrupted or, or tried to disrupt the Israeli blockade of Gaza. She was actually held by the Israelis yeah. um, as, as well. Yeah, um, she has spoken out on abortion, um, which very few you know MPs um, do. Although it's a safe issue to speak out on, most people. Yeah think that the abortion laws in New Zealand are absolutely archaic. Um, and they are. You know, yeah, and she's got a certain um, radical credibility, you know, at the same time she's married, Davidson is her, and she uses her husband's <laughs> name, married name, they've got six kids, mm -hmm. you know, so she can, she can appeal to, you know, people who like who like people to be married and have lots of kids. Um, so she, I think she's got quite a lot um, going for, I really like for her. And in terms yeah. of the Greens' focus on diversity, so yeah. more than any other party, uh, for the Greens' diversity of uh, their MPs is, is, is central. And uh, I think it would be a real problem uh, for them if, um, if, if a... Pākehā foreign woman uh, yeah. was to beat a Māori woman for the position of co-leader. Um, and um, Morgan Godfrey, who's a, a young Māori intellectual, uh, I think one of the most uh, sort of uh, astute and onto it commentators about Māori politics, uh, yeah, he, he stressed that it, it would be very divisive and challenging for the Greens if they were uh, to have two Pākehā co-leaders. Yeah.
Yeah. Oh, I know. Abe Gray's gunning for uh, Julianne Ginter, but you can understand why. Uh, but for the accent. But Something else about Marama Davidson that's interesting is she's um, Rowery Paratini's daughter, mm. the actor. Ah. Um, yeah. Might so remember from Play School? Yes. Many years ago? Yes. Yes, that's, I do. I met him a few times because it was, uh, of course, it was filmed here. Oh, yes. Yeah. So she must have lived here. Yeah, so and, and she's life. she's lived practically everywhere in New Zealand that's got more than 50,000 people. <laughs> she's lived in Auckland, Wellington, Hamilton, Dunedin. I'm not sure about Christchurch. Yeah, so she's, you know, she's quite, she's quite well connected. Um, mm. And her, you know, her dad's, I think, very well thought of as as an actor and quite popular and, and, and an activist, and as, an well. activist mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so she's, you know, she's got, um, yeah, she's she's got an impressive fucker papa, mm. um, and uh, yeah, she's done quite a lot in her time. I think you're going for her to win. Um, I think she probably. I think she probably will. Yeah. Who, who do you think is going to win? Oh yeah, yeah I'd place my money on her. Yeah, me too. Uh, absolutely. Okay. And I, I think she's also seen as carrying the mantle of Materia Terra. Yes. There's still a lot of yeah. people in the Greens who are quite upset with the whole process of Materia Terra leaving Parliament. Yeah. Uh, and there's a feeling that the Green Party leadership didn't back her as much as they could have. Um, Marama Davison, um, yeah, at that time uh, showed herself. Um, almost completely aligned with Materia Ture. Mm. And, 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 and the scene is a similar character in terms of her focus on, on social issues, on issues of inequality. So I think that, that that's another plus for her. Yeah, all right, we're going to leave it there. Thanks, chaps. I'll see you again next week. Sarah Martin will be back, so it'll be great to have her back. She's hardly been on at all this year. She hasn't, no, just oh, a once, couple of times. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right, here's Chelsea.